Welcome to the Grow My Revenue Business Cast with Ian Altman, unconventional strategies for selling, innovation, and leadership. Ian interviews some of the brightest minds who share proven methods to help you achieve success and grow revenue with integrity. Every episode concludes with a quick recap of actionable steps you can take to deliver tangible, immediate results for your business. Now, here's your host, Ian Altman. Hey, it's Ian Altman. On this episode, it's a Q&A episode. So I'm going to be addressing questions that I've heard from you, our listeners, and give you specific approaches on how to grow your business in a way everybody can embrace, even your customer. So the two biggest questions or most common questions I've gotten over the last couple of weeks are, number one, how do I create urgency with my clients so that it just seems like we've got great stuff, we've had great dialogues, but they're just not pulling the trigger. They're not ready to make a decision. And then the second question is, how do I ensure productive meetings? My people are going out meeting with a lot of customers or I'm going out meeting with a lot of customers, but I'm not sure whether or not we're having productive meetings. Everyone appears to be getting along well, but that doesn't necessarily translate to revenue and to impact. And so if we look at those two, if we look at urgency and we look at how to have productive meetings, I purposely want to start with how to have productive meetings. Because one of the challenges in creating and establishing urgency is the topics that we talk about with our clients. And let me explain what I mean. Very often, I'll talk to organizations and their sales teams and whoever's in charge of their sales, whether it's a solopreneur, whether it's a team of hundreds, it doesn't matter. It's the same thing. I'll say, man, you had a great meeting with these people. But what made it a great meeting? And oftentimes what they'll say to me is, well, I mean, they loved me. Man, we really got along really well. There was a lot of rapport. We were laughing. We were having a good time. And, and I don't want to undervalue rapport because it is important. It's a foundation on which we build conversations. But just because you got along well doesn't mean this is a good opportunity. And just because they were willing to meet with you doesn't mean it's a good opportunity. So I want to give you a structure you can use in your business that will allow you to determine which opportunities are real and which ones aren't. Because the reality is in business is that the reason why some companies grow at an extraordinary pace and others don't is less about having opportunities, but more focusing their time on the right opportunities. Too many businesses that I see waste too much time talking to accounts that are never going to do business with them, that aren't a good fit, but still they keep trying to force the issue. Now, in Same Side Selling, which is a book I co-wrote with Jack Quarles, we talk about a number of different concepts, one of which is this concept of finding fit or finding impact together, F-I-T. Now, what we mean by that is we're trying to figure out what the trigger points are for that customer. What's worth solving that you might be good at fixing? Now, if you're not good at solving the problems or issues they have, then you shouldn't be wasting their time or yours. Now, all this sounds great in concept, but how do you actually put it to work? How do you actually get out there and work with somebody and have conversations with your clients that lead to productive information? And I've structured something called the same side quadrants. And the same side quadrants literally is a matter of, it's a real simple concept that all you need to do is create, take a blank sheet of paper, and you're going to write a vertical line down the center and then a a horizontal line across the center. So you're going to end up with four quadrants on your sheet of paper. Think about it. All we're doing is splitting the sheet of paper into four sections. 
In the upper left, small in the corner, you're going to write the word issue. In the upper right corner, you're going to write the words impact and importance. In the lower left, you're going to write the word results. And in the lower right, you're going to write the words others involved or others impacted. Now I want to navigate you through the process of how to use these same side quadrants in your meetings. So initially when you start talking to a client about what it is that you do or a situation they're facing, it's natural for them to talk about the issue that they're looking at. So for example, you might have a client that says, oh, you know what? our online marketing isn't working very well. So if you were somebody selling some sort of digital marketing services, that might be something your clients say, oh, our marketing isn't working very well. So that's their issue, which I often refer to as the tip of the iceberg. That's their high-level description of what it is they're trying to accomplish. If you're selling technology solutions, it might be that, let's say, they were, their servers haven't been as reliable as they would like to be. It might be they're experiencing a lot of downtime in their operations. Any of those might be what you would hear from somebody. But those are all superficial. They're important to discuss, they're important to understand, but they're really still superficial. And those fall into the category of issues. So as we're meeting with our clients, these four quadrants are going to be the areas where we take our notes. Meaning, as the client is describing the issues they're facing, you're going to enter their issue information in that upper left quadrant. Now, we move ahead to impact and importance. An impact is quite simply just what happens if they don't solve that issue. What happens to them and their business if they don't solve that issue? That's what impact is. Now, importance is another level of that, which is compared to other things on their plate, how important is it to solve this issue? So, for example, if I was talking to somebody on that digital marketing side, I might say to them, well, you see, you said your advertising isn't working well. You're not getting attracting enough customers. What happens if six months from now, a year from now, you still haven't solved that issue? Here's where you have to pay close attention because your customer is now going to start to give you the foundation for the business case as to why this issue is worth solving. Importance, once again, is that relative term. So I might ask them, well, compared to other things on your plate, how important is it to solve this issue right now? They might have something that the impact is costing them a million dollars a year, but compared to other things on their plate, isn't that important. So don't just take impact as the be-all, end-all. We want to get to that level of importance also. And some of the questions that we might ask them related to impact are that notion of, as I said before, well, what happens if you don't solve this? I might even ask them, Look, I mean, it sounds like a pretty big deal. For some companies, I imagine it could cost them a lot of money when that happens. Other ones, not so much. How about in your case? And all we're trying to do is make it so that they convince us that this problem is worth solving, that it's worth our time to help them find a solution. Now, so at this point, we've gone through the top two quadrants. We've gone through issue in the upper left and impact and importance in the upper right. In the lower left, we have results. Now, if you think of the buyer-seller interaction as a race, the starting block is something we would probably call the initial contact. So my initial contact with that client is, the, is our starting block for our race. What term would you give to the finish line? So you're the seller. Tell me, what do you call the finish line in that buyer-seller interaction? And I want you to think about that for a minute. 
And the most common answers I hear are the sale, the contract, getting paid, an invoice. These are all the types of things that I hear from people. But what I want you to think about is this. What would your client say is the finish line? And you're probably going to get a different answer. Your client is going to say, quite simply, the results. It's not even delivery if you were thinking of that, but it's the results. The reason why clients make decisions, the the justification they have, especially in commercial businesses, is they need to understand what problem you solve and why they need it and what the likely results and outcomes are that they're going to get from making an investment with you. Now, when we ask questions like, who's the decision maker, that's our focus on what we think is the finish line, which is the sale. What if instead, what if we asked our clients, well, hey, listen, just because you spend money with us and we deliver this product or service doesn't mean we're successful. What would you see a month out, six months out, a year out that would let both of us know that this was a resounding success? What are some of the things that you would measure that would tell us that this was successful? Now you start taking notes in that results section because your client is now going to share with you what they consider to be success. And guess what? They're never going to say, well, we'd consider it a success when we pay you. Now, that's not their success. That's not even remotely their success. What they want to know is what kind of results am I going to get? from working with you. And of course, once they start envisioning that you're looking at the results as much as they are, then you have a common interest. Now together, you're, you're doing an evaluation. Here's a catch to this though. If the client is looking for results that you don't feel you can deliver, you need to say something, you need to say something right away. Because you can't embrace an opportunity where you're not likely to succeed. That'll become a toxic client It'll take up all your time. You'll have a bad reference. It will hurt your reputation. Even if you need the revenue, don't do it. You might, however, help to manage your expectations. So, for example, I might get someone who comes to me and says, well, we want to double our business in the next year. And there's, there are a few instances where I think that might be possible. In most cases, probably not. And I'll say to them, well, how much has your business been growing over the last several years? Well, gee, we had a peak growth of 5%. Okay, now let's say if you grew your business by 20% over the next year, four times your peak growth rate, would that not be sufficient? Because now I want to manage your expectations as something I'm comfortable I can deliver instead of working on an expectation that may not be attainable. So we've now covered three quadrants. We've covered issue in the upper left, we've covered impact and importance in the upper right, and we've covered results in the lower left. Now, if you've ever had a deal that seemed like it was going great, like nothing could possibly stop it, and then in the 11th hour, somebody's name popped up you had never heard of before, and they had a definitive opinion about what it was going to take, and you weren't it. So all of a sudden, the deal went sideways and you lost it. You understand why that lower right quadrant of others impacted or others involved is so important. Now, If I ask the customer, well, who's the decision maker? Guess what? I'm back to focusing on the old finish line of making the sale. And I never get an honest answer to that question anyhow. So no matter what I say to somebody, they always give the same answer. Oh, I am. In fact, there's a big echo. I should use a sound effect here. You know, who's the decision maker? I I am. am. 
But you know what? That's not the case. Instead, what if we asked the following questions? What if we said, you know, when we talked about the impact of your organization, I realize you're not the only person who bears the brunt of that. Who else would be the most frustrated about this who's going to be most interested in solving that issue and making that impact go away? And we're going to find out who those people are. And then I'm going to talk about the results. I'm going to say, look, here's how you and I agreed we should measure the results. Do you think there's anyone else in the organization who might have a different perspective on how we should measure the results around this opportunity? And we're going to pay attention to who they list there. And I might even say, really, why that person? And now they're going to give me a reason of why that person has a vested interest in this. And then I ask a simple question, which is, what's the best way for you and I to include them in the process in a way that's comfortable for you? And now what I've done is I've got a list of who else needs to be involved, whether they're cognizant of that or not. And that way I don't end up with those surprises in the 11th hour. Now what you'll see is that if we collect good information all four quadrants, we're not going to have a good sense of whether this opportunity is worth solving for the client. We're going to have an idea of what results they're looking for. That way we can evaluate whether or not we're good at solving that problem and whether or not we feel we can deliver those results. We also know who else needs to be involved to be sure that we get the right people involved in the discussion to make sure we don't miss anything and have the deal derailed in the 11th hour. So this is all good and well. But now, if all we do is we capture this information and we keep it to ourselves, it's not going to help us. So at the end of this meeting where we've captured all this information, we might say to our client, look, what I'm going to do is when I get back to my office, I'm going to summarize my notes from our meeting today. And then I'm going to share those with you via email. Oftentimes, since we're talking about so many things, I might miss some of the valuable information or get it wrong. So if you wouldn't mind, take a minute to review this information and then send me back a note, either confirming what we got right and also telling me where maybe I need to make some adjustments where maybe I didn't get something exactly right. Would you mind doing that? And in almost every case, the client's going to say, of course. Now, when you go back, you send them a summary. And the summary says, here's the background, which is the combination of the top two quadrants. Then what we're going to say is, keep in mind, in there, we're going to have things that say, look, you also mentioned to me that this issue you were facing was costing the company X dollars. If you didn't solve it within six months, you might actually lose business and lose customers and lose your market position. Then I'm going to say, we discussed the results that you were looking for. So I'm going to have a section called results. And the results are, here's what you're looking to achieve. Now I'm going to have a section called approach. In my approach, I'm going to say, here's the way we would approach this scenario at a high level. And if appropriate during our discussion, if we talked at all about price, then I would say to them, and we discussed this level of investment in order for you to achieve those results. Now, if we didn't discuss something, don't include in the notes. Email's not a place to negotiate price or even raise price. We always want to do that with someone in a conversation. Now, So if I've got all this information and towards the end of this email, I'm going to say, you also mentioned these other people had a stake in this and we talked about how we would get them involved and what the next steps would be going forward for us to determine whether or not this is a good fit and worth solving. So now I've got all that information collected together and I send it in an email and when I get confirmation back, now I've actually given them a document that's the foundation for a business case for how they make decisions. See, I've done research with over 5,000 CEOs and executives around the world. And 
I asked them, if someone came to you on your team and wanted to spend $20,000 on this fictitious item, what are the questions you'd have to have answered to be comfortable making an informed decision? Universally, across the globe, no matter what size the business, I get three common uh, questions that come back. And these are the three questions they need to have answered. The first one is, what problem does this solve and why do I need it? The second question is, what's the likely outcome or results? And the third question is, why this? Why this alternative? Why don't we do it ourselves? Why don't we go with somebody else? What I've also discovered is that if you do a great job answering the first two questions, which is, what problems it solve or why do I need it? And what's the likely outcome or result? Then the third one becomes implied because the vendor who you feel best understands the problem you're trying to solve and why you need it. The vendor who you feel is most likely to deliver the results you're looking for, that's probably your vendor. So think about what's in this little concise business case that we just sent them in an email. We sent them a document that says, here's the problem you're facing and why you told me it was so important to solve. And here's the likely results or outcome that we talked about that you were looking to achieve. So I'm giving decision makers an easy way to approve a decision that's aligned with what the research shows is how people make decisions anyhow. So that's the idea of the same side quadrants. It's simple, and it's simple on purpose, but it's extremely powerful. There are a lot of great systems and approaches for how people sell today. Oftentimes, they use manipulative tactics. Oftentimes, they use pressure. Those things just don't work anymore. And if you want an approach that everybody can embrace, even your customers, you have to do something that's integrity-based. It also needs to be simple enough to follow. So though I could give you 27 fields in a spreadsheet, what I'm telling you is that if you capture these four pieces of information, you're going to have a great sense of which opportunities are real and which ones aren't. The cool part about doing this in these four quadrants is that there's sometimes where you get carried away in a conversation and you forget to cover one of the quadrants. But if you're taking notes on a sheet of paper that has these four quadrants and there's a whole section that's missing, you're going to know just by glancing at the sheet of paper for a nanosecond to know that you forgot to cover that you need to ask questions about it. So that's the idea of how we ensure that we have productive meetings with potential customers or clients. Now, remember, the other question that um, actually was a guy named Michael asked me was, how do we create urgency for our clients to meet with us? Well, it's kind of a loaded question. See, we can't create urgency. We can create awareness of challenges we've helped other people solve. And we can remind people of their issue, impact, importance, and results that might remind them why things are important. But clients don't buy for our reasons. They buy for their own reasons. And so one of the mistakes we make is trying to figure out how to create a sense of urgency for that client to talk to us. Instead, what we have to do is we have to think, what's going on in their world that would create urgency for them that would necessitate what it is that we do? And it's a different perspective. And one of the tools that we use is a third-party story. So let's say if I was selling financial services, I'm a financial advisor, and you're thinking, well, gee, these people don't want to get back to me. They're not returning my phone calls. They're not taking my calls. Well, of course not, because there's only a few reasons why those people would ever reach out to you. And you need to tap into what those are. So for a financial advisor, it might be, look, with the, with the turbulent times in the market lately, um, people are coming to us because they say they're not sure that their current advisor has all the latest information 
and is nimble enough to navigate through this kind of tumultuous time. And sometimes we're a great fit for them and sometimes we're not, but we're always happy to give people a second opinion. Now, that might be a reason for someone to say, hey, I'll take a look at you. But we have to find reasons that matter to them, not to us. Let's face it, the most common way that we follow up with clients after initial meeting sounds something like this. Hey, just calling to check in. Want to see if you made a decision yet? Hey, just calling to check in. Want to see if you made a decision yet? Guess what? It's not a good way to follow up with people. In fact, it's a horrible way to follow up because you're a tin cup and a cardboard sign away from begging. Instead, think about these four quadrants. What if instead your follow-up call sounded like this? Hey, John, when we spoke last week, you said you had this issue with your technology systems. I remember you mentioned to me that if you don't solve this thing in a hurry, you feared you were going to lose a bunch of business to the tune of about a million dollars a year. And if that happened, you might be out of a job. And I realized that I haven't followed up with you and I want to make sure I hadn't dropped the ball because if this is still important, I want to make sure we're responsive. Is there a good time for us to speak? Now I'm focused on what's important to them, not what's important to me. The beauty of same-side quadrants is that you now have a common language that you can share with everybody inside of your organization. So if you're working with somebody on the sales side, you can now include them in the process that says, look, here's the impact that the client is trying to address and get some ideas on how you can figure out whether or not you can solve it. Once the sale is over and now you're trying to deliver results, you've got something all wrapped up with a bow on it you can hand to the execution and implementation people to make sure they understand the results the client's looking to achieve. This leads to more satisfied customers, better repeat and referral business, and overall higher client satisfaction. Not such a bad outcome. And it all comes from these simple four quadrants. So hopefully this helped give you some insight about first, how we create that sense of urgency, which comes down to the client convincing us of issue, impact, importance, and the results. And then this idea of ensuring we have productive meetings with our potential customers or clients by following these four quadrants in the same side quadrants of issue, impact, and importance, results, and then others impacted. This is a topic I just love talking about because it can have such a profound impact on your business. Let me give you a quick 30-second recap of the things that you can apply to your business right away. First, teach and understand the concept of these same-side quadrants. We talk about all the principles in same-side selling. Second, teach this to your team. And then third, finally, make sure that you actually prepare these sheets for people or for that matter, they can use just a blank sheet of paper if they can draw a vertical line and a horizontal line and then measure results based on the clients you talk to and what information you collect and what results you see from the ones where you get all four quadrants filled out. Now, remember, this show gets its direction from you, the listener. If you know someone I should have on the show, if you have a question like the ones I addressed on this one, please just drop me a note at ian.altman at growmyrevenue.com. Have an amazing week add value, and grow revenue in a way everyone can embrace, even your customer. Thank you for joining us each week for the Grow My Revenue Business Cast with Ian Altman. Unconventional strategies for selling, innovation, and leadership. Be sure to subscribe to our program on iTunes or Stitcher. Don't miss Ian's weekly newsletter and be a part of the conversation on growmyrevenue.com 
and via Twitter at GrowMyRevenue. 